Welcome from Euractive. I'm Luca Bertuzzi, Digital and Media Editor, and this is the Digital Brief Podcast. This week, I've interviewed Axel Heffer, CEO of Trivago, an hotel price comparison platform, and Juanes Cott, Managing Director at Visual Meta, a tank company focused on online shopping. In the interview, we focused on the Digital Markets Act, also known as the DMA in the Brussels jargon. The DMA is a landmark EU legislation intended to regulate very large online platforms, also known as gatekeepers, because they have reached such a market power that they are able to dominate entire digital services. I started by asking Axel, what is it that he thinks the DMA is trying to address? You have a natural tendency to, um, I mean, winner takes it all dynamics. Yeah. So, so you have in a, in a lot of uh, online businesses, very low variable costs and a tendency to, to monopolies, um, which is a problem as such, which I think is, is, is should not be addressed in the DMA. And you've got a second problem that you have a handful of companies that are leveraging their monopolies on critical services um, to the world population to break into other businesses and then build new monopolies. So it's basically uh, building up um, a portfolio of monopolies by going down the, the value chain. As Axel notes, the digital economy is structured often around monopolies or duopolies. Think about app stores, for example, or the operating system of your smartphone, search engines and social networks. The fact that these companies have reached such a market size means that they have access to such an amount of data that they are able to leverage that to dominate other parts of the internet economy and extract more and more value from it. Johannes makes the example of a small town where 95% of the buildings are owned by the same person. You run a bakery, a successful business, but all of a sudden, this person decides to stop renting you the building and open a bakery himself. How does that translate to the digital economy, though? This is what Johannes had to say. In real life, what's actually happening is Google has a monopoly, a 95% market share in general search. And whatever you search for, they put their specialty search on top of the page, right embedded right into this, uh, to the page. So you're looking for a place, you will always find the map. You're looking for a hotel, you will find the hotel search. Looking for a flight, you're lo- uh, finding their flight search. Looking for uh, articles, products to buy, you will find the Google Shopping unit right on top. And so all of these are specialty searches. They are not general internet searches. For Axel, this tendency to expand monopolies in more and more parts of the online economy is entrenched in the very way giant tech companies operate. And it's driven by expectations of shareholders. This is a self-reinforcing cycle. And that's why time is actually quite critical. Because the, the more you are capturing the value that is generated for the downstream, the higher the expectation of your shareholders are, the higher your stock price is, the more you have to capture. And with some of these companies, you have the, the impression that 
they are so much under pressure to continue to what they've started that it is almost um, there's there they cannot stop without uh, external help or uh, or pressure. Now you might wonder: in the economy, there are always winners and losers. Why is that a problem? Well, monopolies have a cost. Less competition means that they can charge you more because you don't have a choice to go somewhere else. And at the end, it's the customers that end up to pay the bill. That the prices in the Google Shopping unit are significantly higher than uh, with the leading competitor in the respective countries. In 2019, I think it was on average 14%. In 2021, uh, it was 13%. So this is currently what we're looking at. Um, and if you if you have a, a if you made a conscious choice as a user whether you want to make one more click or pay 14% more for a certain product i think the choice would be quite obvious you'll make that click for 14% discount right so it's bad for the user because it's bad for competition however why should politics decide who are the economic winners and losers Aren't these just punishing measure against the, those companies that proved successful in the new digital era? Axel doesn't think so. It is not a market strength that is achieved through fair comp um, the competition. It is a market position that is achieved by leveraging a monopoly or duopoly that has been built somewhere else to compete unfairly um, and, and crowd everybody else out of the market. And that is something that when you think about the offline world, is exactly what antitrust is usually dealing with. So if this monopolistic tendency is something that you have both online and offline, why do we need special rules for the digital markets then? Why can't we just use EU antitrust rules? Well, the reality is that on the digital sphere, things move much faster. Ex-post decision might come in simply too late. If you have to wait five or six years, Maybe you've already shut down your business and the tech giant has moved to compete in other markets. So things are moving so quickly that um, even if there is anti-competitive behavior, the benefit of still ignoring basically that, that, that you're competing um, anti-competitively um, outweigh dramatically the potential costs and the potential fines that you might face years in the future. Um, because the, 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 the company landscape uh, will have completely changed and your competitors will have disappeared. So the key aspect of the DMA is that it introduces ex-ante checks. It defines the rules of the game before it even starts, instead of launching an investigation after someone has misbehaved. Another argument you hear against the DMA, though, is that Europe is trying to punish successful companies because it was not so successful in the digital economy. Chinese companies in particular would have proven that these monopolies are not so beyond reach. Take TikTok, for example. It has overtaken YouTube for number of users, even in the United States. For Johannes, that's not a fair comparison, though. China did not make it um, without any, um, say, governmental or regulatory interference. On the contrary, those markets are heavily protected and because of that um, those companies were able to develop in that um, in china and then after they had a critical size they were able to compete on same terms um, 
number one question you have to ask yourself, do, you, do we want that? Axel notes that Trivago had to pull out of the Chinese market because it's based on political protectorates, which virtually make it impossible for Western companies to operate. He also notes that every time a new company proves successful in a certain area of the digital economy, it gets the attention of big tech that then try to leverage their market position to compete with them. Without the DMA, you will never have um, one of the top digital companies coming out of Europe. Um, unless, as Johanna said, you decide to completely protect the market, which I think would be would be very wrong because the technology um, uh, um, space is, is too integrated and there are too many dependencies um, and too much benefit actually from, from really partnering and sourcing globally. Another thing we hear often, especially from German regulators, is that they fear the DMA might lower the, the market protection introduced by national law. Now, that is a fear also shared by certain German businesses, according to Johannes. We have already quite a well-working um, regulation in Germany, which is the, especially the paragraph 19a or article 19a of the German GWB. Um, that is a great step forwards, forward or great step towards fair competition with digital gatekeepers. The Digital Markets Act must not fall short of that. Axel concludes in an urgent note. This self-reinforcing dynamic that I mentioned earlier seems to accelerate. So time is extremely important. And if we wait for one, two, three more years, the damage that could be done to the overall ecosystem um, could be irreversible. That's all we got time for today. Don't forget to sign up to our free Digital Brief newsletter to have an overview on all things digital in the EU. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. I'm Luca Bertuzzi, and thank you for listening.